Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by Heart of Lad from Pension Plan Puppets. What's going on, Heart of? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, had uh, the end of the Leafs game just now and, you know, getting ready. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting uh, yeah. game, right? I mean, we're going to go ahead and obviously right. recap the, the loss to the Edmonton Oilers. 6-4 was the final. We'll get into that in, in just a second. Also, later on, we'll discuss the World Juniors a little bit. It's a bit of a packed episode, um, but we're going to quickly go over you know the, the, the loss to Edmonton because it did snap a 10-game point streak that the Leafs had going into it. Hadn't lost a game in, uh, in 11 straight in regulation, uh, but a 6-4 loss to the Edmonton Oilers were a couple of things that you kind of pulled from this game as to why that was the case? Um, simply, the Leafs weren't, weren't good enough. They were the second-best team on the ice. They gave up way too much defensively, and that's just kind of how it went. Uh, they didn't take advantage of their power plays. They didn't take advantage of scoring chances, and they gave too many away on the other end. So, simply put, like there was no like exact moment of the game coming out of their hands or anything. I just think that they played awfully defensively the entire time, and just gave up the chances, and then the Oilers got the goals as a result. I think one of the bigger <laughs> yeah. storylines, too, that you kind of have to, you can't gloss over was just Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. right? Like the the kid, it, it seems like up until now, it seemed like he, well, he scored his first goal ever in Toronto, uh, and, and it's just kind of wild to think about Connor McDavid being such a, a specimen of hockey. And I know he only makes one trip down here a year, and I think he was injured his rookie season and didn't even get that. So he's only been down here, I think, four times, um, and he finally scored. But he had an exceptional game, and it seemed like the Leafs just didn't really have an answer for him. Yeah, um, he was uh, leading the team, uh, his Oilers, in shot attempts, 70%, 72% in this game. Uh, he was all over the ice. He was crazy. That the goal he scored was... Oh my Unreal. God. I, I had no words for it. I was just like, you know what? David, there you go. That's that's all you can say. Yeah, that's just like Morgan Riley's got to be just embarrassed over that goal. Like that is quite yeah. literally like Allen Iverson ankle breaking <laughs> as you can get in hockey. Um, and, and it was just unbelievable. And then even the, to yeah. just kind of pull it back and get it up over mm-hmm. Hutchinson. Like that that's one you're going to see on the highlight reels all week long. Definitely the, the highlight of the night you're going to see on all the, the sports shows. That's for sure. Yeah, Riley definitely missed uh, Nazem Kadri on that play. That's for sure. <laughs> well, so that's that's a a big storyline. So up until this season, Kadri was kind of the guy that the Leafs leaned on to kind of shut down Connor McDavid, and this is the first time that they've had to play without Kadri. And it was something that I think he really he he admired that he was given that opportunity, and that was his role. And uh, you know, he took it, he took it, and and he owned it, and he was dude, he did a really good job shutting down McDavid. Uh, but today. Obviously, no Kadri. Was that a major factor? And how much do you think they missed him in tonight's game? Well, they have John Tavares, right? Like, they can't really complain that, oh, we didn't have a shutdown center. They had Tavares. That line didn't get it, uh, get it done for them. That's simply how it has to go. Um, I didn't think Tavares had a great game. I think he got uh, overwhelmed way too often for his caliber of player. But Nylander was okay. He wasn't great. He was okay. Um, I can't even remember the, the third guy on the line. I think it was Kerfa and then Spezza later. Um, yeah, I don't know. Kerfa had a bad game just with the penalties he took. And um, there was a couple hits that I thought were a little questionable. So, you know, just not a great uh, game from that line as a, as a whole. And it was just, you know, a little disappointing. I uh, to- totally agree. I thought that it, they just kind of kind of a disappointing game from them. Um, another thing, though, just to kind of 
I guess, talk about some of the positives through this game. Uh, Pierre Engvall, he's really starting to carve out a role for himself <laughs> here in Toronto. I know you're a big Pierre Engvall fan, so I'm going to go ahead and light a fanboy all over him. Uh, had a goal and an assist uh, tonight. Uh, is this a, a guy who you think has kind of become a staple in this lineup, even when Trevor Moore and Andreas Janssen return? How, like, how good has his play been? Is this a guy that you can't just can't take out of the lineup? Has he forced that on to Sheldon Keefe? I'm probably the most like biased Pierre Engvall <laughs> fan you could have because the moment you said his name, I started grinning. I know. <laughs> In my room, I just started grinning like an idiot. I, I, he's, <laughs> he's, he's so much fun to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I think so. I think when Moore comes back, he's definitely supplanted Moore because Moore just hasn't played enough. Uh, he played 22 games under Babcock and got injured. He hasn't really, he hasn't played a game with, with Keith yet, so uh, I don't really know if Moore is going to get a chance this season to get in the lineup. He might have to honestly wait until there's another injury ahead of him or training camp next year. Uh, as for Janssen, I think Janssen is pretty solid in his position. But yeah, as you're saying, like, Oh man, I well, I think he's been so good. Like he's <laughs> what got seven goals this year in a little over twenty something games. Yeah, he's got uh, five I think points I thought he was last... great in this game. He was really solid uh, in his own zone. Um, made a couple giveaways. I think uh, there was one against Zach Cassian that I think he just he thought Cassian was another guy. Maybe Cassian called for it. He gave him a drop pack pass, which was a mistake. And there's another time in the penalty kill where he was. He went for a skate with it, and he looked pretty confident until he just got a little too cocky with it and tried a little too much. Uh, luckily, I think Hyman was there to clear the puck, but, you know, I think overall he had a really great game, and for a third-liner, uh, he's been producing amazingly. I think he's on, like, a 30 goal pace if he played all 82 games. Yeah, no, I thought he's been fantastic. I think he's got, what, five goals last nine games. Tonight was a little bit of a little bit of a lucky goal going off, you know, his skate and then again off of Nurse's skate mm-hmm. into the back of the net. But, you know, sometimes you got to get those lucky, dirty goals, and that's what he got tonight. But I think overall I've really enjoyed watching him play, and I think the fact that he's also kind of carved out a nice little role on the penalty kill uh, also gives him a little bit of a leg up. Um, I mean, you talk about how Moore hasn't played since Keefe has been gone and stuff, but, I mean, Trevor Moore did play for Keith and the Marlies, and he was a big reason why Moore developed into the player that he was, and that we saw at the beginning of the year. So I'm not sure if I if if I think that Moore, uh, I don't want to say he's going to get kind of turn into this year's Josh Levo or anything like that and just kind of find himself on the outside looking in. But certainly, I think that the Leafs are going to have themselves a really really good conversation uh, about who gets into the lineup on a nightly basis, which is interesting because I think coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about how uh, this team is very top-heavy, and they had to try and find these guys at, at a cheap number, a cheap cap hit, and now it seems like we, we got kind of a, a few decent options here, and we're going to have uh, a good problem, I guess, a good problem, though, uh, when everybody gets gets healthy. Yeah, um, watching the Marlies last year, I thought there were a few guys that could have made the Leafs. I didn't think there was this many. I didn't think Timoshev was going to do what he did. I thought Gauthier was maybe going to hang around just because he needed waivers. Right. Uh, I didn't think Mason Marchman was going to make it this year. I thought he needed one more year, maybe just the final seasoning. He was going to have waivers next year, so I thought they were going to you know, give him some more time. I didn't think Brooks was on the radar at all. Even though he has been playing really well, I just didn't think he you know, brought enough dynamically to the game, but he's a really solid player, and he's that's all you really need for a fourth line. So the Marlies have been really great. I've been super impressed. I 
was really high uh, pure rank all over the summer, um, and dating back to last year as well when he first came to the Marlins in 2017. Um, I had him ranked 10th in my top 25 under 25 ranking that we do at PBP, so top 25 players under the age of 25. I had him in my top 10. Um, no one else did it in the voting category, so I'm pretty proud of that <laughs> rank myself. But, yeah, I didn't think he was going to be this good. I thought he was going to maybe, you know, slot in on the fourth line, maybe play some center um, in and around with Gauthier. But he's up on the third line. He's making, he's getting goals. It's uh, that kind of depth that the Leafs were able to find and that Keith was able to develop has been unreal for this team. They they kept them in it. Although, if, if it wasn't for them, it would have been, like, 6-1, 7-1. It would have been a complete blowout. Oh, definitely. And I think, you, you know, you even look at ever since Keith kind of took over in this in this long 10-game point streak that they've been on, I think it's the fact that they're just getting contributions from everybody all around the lineup. They're not just relying on, on you know, your Tavares line, or they're not just relying on the Matthews line. You're getting, you know, 9, 10 players uh, all coming out there and scoring consistently. Uh, I think I saw over the last nine games, uh, there was seven or eight players with with at least six points. So that's that's everybody chipping wow. in and contributing. So it's it's nice to see uh, the team that everyone thought was just not deep enough, uh, not too long yeah. ago, like even as little as twenty games ago before Keith came in, and uh, now you see them all kind of chipping in, playing good style of hockey. Uh, but for tonight's game, was there anything else that you kind of picked out that you noticed that uh, you think was noteworthy to chat about? Um, I thought Marinson and Hall were pretty bad in yeah. their own zone all game. Um, Hall had a decent start. He was looking okay, but he slowly started to tail off as the game kept going, and that was a little concerning because that's supposed to be like the shutdown pair on this team because you're not going to get Riley and Barry to do it. You're not going to get Durbin and CeCe to do it. So um, that was a little scary. Uh, I think they moved away from that pairing against McDavid as the game went on. Um but even then, Morgan Riley still wasn't going to be able to handle it, I don't think, on his own. So the defense is troubling, especially when they play against top-caliber teams. Uh, I don't know who they have next on the schedule. Uh, they have Winnipeg, Florida, New Jersey, Calgary. So they're kind of okay in terms of playing against like top, top stars. Uh, Winnipeg might be a little bit of a hard game but uh, because they didn't play that great the last time. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really love the defense right now. I wish we had Jake Buzzin back. Uh, Rasmus Sandin is ex- maybe possibly coming to the Leafs when he comes back from uh, the Czech Republic. So, yeah, who knows? And that's an interesting topic, and it's something that's kind of come up a lot after he did have such a solid World Juniors. Uh, but Jake Muzzin, certainly, it's games like tonight where you really realize, ah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we we miss that guy. We need a shutdown defenseman. And uh, Martin Marincin uh, just doesn't happen to be that. <laughs> I mean, coming into the game, I think, I think it was crazy. <laughs> if I would have told you that Marincin and Justin Hall were going to be tasked to shut down Connor McDavid, if I told you that back in September, you would think that I was insane. Oh, my God. If that, Mike Babcock was coaching this team and he put up, uh, put up Marincin and Hall as a pair, and put him up against McDavid, there would be riots in the streets. Actually, though, that's, I, that's you're not it wrong. Would have been, it would been mur- there would have been a murder somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Wrong. It would have been insane. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break, and then coming up on the other side, we'll go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of discuss what happened in this game, what went well, and what didn't go well. And we'll do that on the other side. 
All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs. I'm Mike DiStefano, joined alongside Heart of Lad, our special guest from the Pension Plan Puppets. Uh, all right, so this is the segment where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. I like to start with the good stuff, especially in a loss, to kind of remind us that it's not all bad. There was some good. So we'll talk about what was good in this game, and we'll start with your thoughts. What would you like about tonight? Uh, <laughs> it's so hard. I guess I like the depth. We've been talking about them all podcast long, but the depth, getting some production for the team, keeping them going, getting uh, a couple goals at, at good times, Mason Marchman getting his first career point. Um, that's that would be the only positives I can get from this game. They were pretty bad. Um, yeah, I, I, that's all I can say because uh, they took too many penalties. The defense was gra- was pretty bad. Goaltending wasn't saving them, so that's about it, really. Uh, I really liked the depth that we've been talking about pretty much this entire podcast. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's really the only good out of Toronto. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay Toronto, but I'm going to go with Connor McDavid, the hometown boy. I mean, that was really the the best of the night, I think. Even though he's the opposing team, he's a Toronto kid who came in and uh, hasn't had much success and then had a highlight reel goal to go along with a four-point performance. Uh, I thought that he came out and had the best game of his career here in Toronto uh, considering that there was there was a little bit of chatter before the game let, that maybe the limelight and the pressure of coming back home because he hadn't performed so well here in the past and he kind of put that all to the to the wayside today and had an outstanding performance. Yeah, he was great. I guess I guess you could cheat with that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and do what I want because uh, I'm the host and I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, your show. It's your podcast. Show. I can do that. I'll give Connor McDavid <laughs> the love he deserves. Uh, all right, uh, tonight uh, I'll start with what was bad for me. Uh, Freddie Anderson. I just for me he didn't he didn't play very well. He got yanked in the second period. He allowed three goals on 19 shots. Uh, allowed goals on back to back shots to start the second period, and that's ultimately what led to him being pulled for uh, Michael Hutchinson. I, I just a couple of those goals I I didn't like um, for. For Freddie Anderson, and it's kind of a pattern that I've noticed the Leafs have been getting into over the last few games, they're they're giving up a lot of shots, and it seems like Anderson has really had to bail them out and kind of be the MVP of this team. And, you know, every time you, 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 know, you look at the stat sheet and he's making 36, 42, 38 saves a night, I just feel like maybe that, you know— it was kind of a buildup of, of him facing a lot of rubber and, and getting a lot of action over the last few day over the last few weeks here. It might be catching up to him. Do you think I, I'm kind of onto something here, or do you think that I'm kind of a nut bar and it's just kind of is what it is? Yeah, I think the I think the Leafs have been trying to make sure that they didn't overplay him. Uh, they made it a, a point to play Michael Hutchison more, give him a couple starts that aren't you know, back-to-back starts like Backlog used to do. Right, he got um, the, the game Saturday, which he yeah. won, which is great and all, but I think when he's playing, it just seems like the Leafs, over the last maybe 10 games, 15 games or so, seem to be giving up a lot more shots than they were earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, goaltending can save you all the time. You have to be playing good in front of them. You have to give them a chance to make a save. I don't think the Leafs did that for Anderson. I, I hope I don't think this was a, a game where Anderson was tired in any kind of way. I think they pulled him because, you know, he had a bad night and they didn't want him to get shelled for the yeah, entire game. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree with that. But I, 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 on the whole, I, I think he gets a lot of shots. 
and he's able to handle it pretty well. He's among the league uh, leaders in shots against every season, uh, when he, especially with the Leafs uh, recently. He's number one um, right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just don't know. I We'll see, I guess, at the end of the year what's, what his total game number is at and what his total shot numbers are at. But, uh, yeah, I think the Leafs definitely need to tighten things up just to save their goaltenders, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what was bad for you tonight? Uh, bad for me? Um, we could double up. If Freddie was your bad, <laughs> we can double up on that. There's an ugly, too. Just uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, I still I still want to just double back on uh, Nylander and Tavares having a bad night. Yeah. 27% of the shot attempts in the game. Uh, I think they were, yeah, 20-something percent in expected goals share. 50% is even. It's average. So if you're half that, um, there's a big problem there. They played against uh, McDavid. They didn't. Produ- they didn't come up strong at a- against him at all. I think that was a pretty bad part of the game, and it was a big reason why my ugly part is the way it is that y'all get to in a bit. Uh, well, let's go ahead and let's lead right into it. Who was your ugly right. part of the game? Um, my ugly as well. I'm just gonna go back to it. Justin Hall, Martin Brunson. They yeah, had 20 percent of the shot share or less in this game. They went up against McDavid. I know it's a really hard task, but they completely failed it. Um, Marin, uh, Justin Hall has a you know a three year contract coming up. I know we don't want to talk about contracts all the time and put pressure on these players, but um, we've been hoping that he's you know an average defenseman for the at least you know as a four spot or even perhaps maybe a two spot eventually. Uh, yeah, this was just a bad game for him. I hope he turns it around and throws this in the garbage and comes back with another good performance. I think he was good at the beginning of the game. He was moving well. He was making good plays. He was stopping McDavid pretty well. Uh, it just really deteriorated as the game went on, and that's kind of important to have in your team. Yeah, I, I just had the, you know, the the defense as a whole. I mean, you, yeah, Justin Hall and and Marty Marincin obviously didn't have a good night. Morgan Riley didn't really have that good of a night either. Uh, he was on the ice for for three goals tonight. Uh, obviously, he's going to have nightmares after being uh, after that McDavid goal, and he's going to be on the wrong end of the highlights of the night uh, all week long. Uh, he also, on the Yamamoto yeah. goal, I, I think that he provided the screen that didn't allow him to see the puck that allowed the third goal and ultimately the one that got Freddie out of the game. Uh, so that mm-hmm. just kind of not sound positioning for, for him. Uh, I just, you know, defensively as a whole, I, I didn't like what the Leafs were doing. And obviously when you allow six goals, that's that's not good enough. So I think yeah. uh, that that was that was the biggest demise of the Leafs tonight. Uh, would you agree? I agree, yeah. <laughs> Over four expected goals. So even if, you know, they got some extra save, they still would have lost the game. Uh, if they played an average Over uh, four? Game. Holy moly. Yeah, over four, which is not something you see all the time. That's what you see on, like, when you have a top team playing against a, a bottom team. So that's, yeah. it's, it's concerning. Uh, yeah, I also want to jump on the defense a little bit. I thought, uh, I know Barry ha- wasn't in any of the highlight reels, but, you know, he wasn't there to play defense. Uh, I thought he wasn't great in his own zone. Uh, he looks like he's just not able to play the puck great. I, I don't know. It, it's It was a little concerning a little bit. Uh, I think in the offensive zone, he doesn't really do anything to help the Leafs get to good scoring chance areas. He takes shots from the point. He kind of settles for shots himself. And he doesn't... I don't know. I've always had this problem with Barry all year. I don't think he does things that helps the Leafs get to good scoring chance areas. I think he takes a lot of shots. I think when he's he gets a lot of offensive zone minutes um, with usage and all that stuff. But I don't think he's able to actually improve the offense on his team. And for a Leafs team 
the way it is, they, you don't, they don't have a problem with volume. They have a problem getting good chances and making sure that they're consistently getting good chances. And I don't think Barry helps with that. And I thought that was apparent in this game. Uh, not obviously, but very subtly, as, uh, I think. Uh, really good I know it's stuff. a bit of a hot take. I know, I know fans <laughs> are happy with Barry this year. I've just not seen it at all. We'll see what ends up happening with Barry. It's an interesting conversation. He's he's you know on an expiring deal, and there are some in the camp that think that he hasn't really produced to the fact where, where we thought he would. We thought that he might be the the missing piece that will allow this team to kind of take the next step, and he hasn't really done that. You know, the team's kind of been a little bit stagnant. I guess he's played a little bit better as of late. Uh, under Sheldon Keefe, but he still hasn't been that electric uh, com- uh, electric defenseman who kind of commands the ice and commands the puck when he's uh, out there, just kind of like we saw in Colorado. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what that ends up happening with him. I think it's not even out of the realm of possibility that he's dealt at the deadline if there's a team that's willing to pay up for him, if they can also kind of send back uh, another defenseman in his place. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening with him. It's it's going to be something that I'm going to be watching, and we'll certainly be talking about it mm-hmm. over the next uh, month and a half or two months until the trade deadline, that's for sure. Uh, but we got to move on here. Uh, let's put a put a bow on this game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's kind of just over now. 6-4 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. And we'll come up on the other side and talk about something a little better for us, and that's the Canada gold medal hockey game against the Russians. They end up winning 4-3. Uh, they went gold, and we'll, we're going to chat about that on the other side. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast with Mike DiStefano alongside a heart of lad. Uh, so Canada winning gold. It's back in our country uh, after you know last year's very poor poor outcome not even meddling uh it was it was nice to see i i thought that this tournament more than maybe the tournaments in the past few years meant a lot more to canada than than over the last couple of years i I don't know if that was just me but it felt like so many more people were into it this year even on tv it just seemed like there was so much more uh, so much more energy in the crowd and energy on the ice and with the players and the coaches it just seemed like this year kind of meant a little more than maybe the past couple of seasons for uh for Canada. Yeah, I think this I think the Leafs or sorry, Team Canada had a really good group come with them. Uh they won the U18s as an age group. Uh I think they were carrying that with them uh and having a lot of positives uh come into this tournament with them and um, yeah, they just executed. They played great. I think the that blowout win they had in the uh, round robin really, really helped them a lot. Uh, and they just carried that. Uh, they had some great performances. Akil Thomas, of course. Barrett Hayden, of course. Um, Connor McMichael is probably going to be the captain next year on the twenty one t- on the twenty one team. So, yeah, it was just you know a lot of really great stories. And they let the kids play. The kids played as good as they did and uh, came out with gold. And I think. It made it even more sweeter, the fact that they had to get through Finland, who limited them last year, and then, you know, a, a big 5 nothing win over Finland, and then they came up against the Russians, who gave them their biggest loss ever 
and they were able to kind of overcome that and end up coming with a victory and winning gold. Just kind of made it a little bit sweeter. But the unlikeliest of heroes in this one, Akil Thomas uh, from Scarborough. He is uh, the Niagara Ice Dogs captain. He was kind of one of the, the final men to make the team this season. He was one of the last people to get cut last season. And I thought that there'd be a little bit more of a role for him this time around, being a little bit older. You know, his final year of eligibility in the tournament, I do believe. And he ends up kind of sitting for a large majority of that third period for Team Canada. And then something told him that he was going to score. <laughs> something told Dale Hunter that he was going to go out there and score. So he calls his name. Akil Thomas hops over the boards, grabs the puck, and, uh, well, the rest is history. Canada wins gold after he scores with just a couple of minutes left there in the game. And they end up hanging on for the 4-3 win. But Akil Thomas, dude, who would have thought that he was going to end up being the hero for Canada? <laughs> Uh, probably Adam Selville from our site, PPP. Uh, he, he lives in Niagara. He's a big uh, Ice Dogs fan. He's been raving about Akil Thomas since he was like 17, 16 years old. Uh, uh, funny, he's funny been going story. on and on and on. Hmm? Yeah, funny story, actually. I'm also from Niagara, and I went to uh, an oh. Ice Dogs game a couple of years ago, and uh, I think Akil Thomas, I, I want to say it was his first goal it was the opening wow. game of the season. I think it was his first goal in the OHL. And it was a beautiful, like, spinorama. And he ended up getting a back hit shot. And it was amazing. I was like, wow, this kid's got skill. And uh, <laughs> I kind of followed his career all the way through. And then to see him, you know, make Team Canada this year and go out there and end up winning gold. Like, it was just, it just felt a little extra special for me because I have that special kind of, he was like a player who I picked yeah. from his rookie season in the OHL where it was like, I really like this kid. I think he's got tremendous skill. And he ends up going out and making a, a huge splash, winning my country a gold medal. So that was just a, a little <laughs> kind of personal story for me, which made it a little bit more sweeter. But, uh, yeah, just Akil Thomas, I don't think many people, I guess, uh, outside of Niagara, <laughs> I suppose, probably saw it coming. Yeah, uh, he's going to be a great prospect for the LA Kings. Um, we forget that fourth liners on these world junior teams are probably stars on their own teams and they yeah. can make and break a, a game all, all on their own. So if you just give them a chance, they'll go and, they'll go and do it. Um, speaking to that point about having your own hometown guy when you guys win um, a, a, a tournament, um, I remember a couple years ago, Michael McLeod for the Steelheads in right. Saga. Um, he was my guy back then and he went to the world juniors and he played amazing and I think they won in 2018. So um, yeah, I think you know, you, you see those stories all the time and um, because, you know, Canada is such a storied country with such a storied history in hockey. So it's really nice. It's really it's a really good feeling when your it guy uh, does that on an amazing stage. Uh, it's really, really fun. Um, a bit of a roller coaster for one of the players who happens to also be the captain of the team, Barrett Hayden. Let's kind of take it back to the first game against Russia. Uh, he didn't really have a great game, obviously. You know, the team lost... Uh, six nothing, and Barrett Hayden, the captain, uh, a big reason for that. Just didn't play well at all, and then kept his helmet on during the Russian national anthem, which created a lot of spark, mm -hmm. a lot of buzz, people talking about it. And, and I even saw on Twitter there was a lot of Canadians, not just you know Americans or, or or other countries or citizens from other countries, but Canadians saying you know, how disrespectful it was and, and actually wanted him kicked off the team and sent home. They thought that it was that big of a deal. Um, I thought that that was a little much, you know, she's just, uh, you know, a young kid, 19 years old. You know, they make mistakes. He might be 20 now, but 19 or 20, they make mistakes. Um, and he ends up 
coming back from his suspension. He ends up coming back from that game uh, and scores the tying goal, and uh, he just had a great tournament from that moment. Uh, how did you feel about his roller coaster week from Barrett Hayden? Yeah, I think we sometimes forget because we see the Team Canada logo and we think that they're like you know full-on adults like the Olympic team guys. Um, but these guys are kids. Um, I think every year we get something like this happening, and I think we just have to kind of accept it and realize. That you know, when um, a Swedish player throws his medal over the uh, into the stands, or a Canadian leaves his helmet on during anthems uh, because he was mad about a result of a game, we have to kind of realize that this is going to be their one their mistake um, in, in their lives, and they won't do it ever again. Um, I think you know, they're kids; they'll learn, uh, and that's just kind of how it goes. If you make a mistake like that on a big stage, you're never going to make that mistake again. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I was okay. With, I, I did. I was not okay with it happening. I was, of course, upset. You know, you got to show your opponent's respect, um, for and against all the time. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, I was like, you know, it's not the biggest deal. I think he's gonna learn from it. It's not something that you got to kick a player off the team from. I think it's something that you need to, you know, talk to him about and learn from. I totally agree with you. Another player who had an outstanding tournament. Uh... He was nominated for uh, defenseman of the tournament, and that's Rasmus Sandin, uh, obviously a guy who you're familiar with. A lot of us Leaf fans are also familiar with him. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about his tournament and how excited you are for him to come back to, to Toronto and start getting going with the Marlies again? Oh, yeah, Rasmus Sandin. I I don't know if he's going to go back to the Marlies. Um, you think he the, might get the, the call has... Yeah, I, the team hasn't been very good, to be honest. Um, the Marlies seem a little in need of a retool. Um, they don't have any depth, of course, but it just feels like they need some with the Leafs fresh faces. Sorry? It's because they're all up with the Leafs now. Yeah, exactly. They're either injured or up with the Leafs, most of them. Uh, I think they do need a bit of a reset, and I think the Leafs could just really use Sandine right now. Um, he's been really good. I think they're probably going to call him right up to the Leafs after they give him a bit of time off from this um, tournament. Uh, yeah, I, I, I assume he's going to jump right into the lineup uh, and replace Marinson for, uh, at the beginning. Uh, I wonder where he goes after that uh, once Muzzin gets back. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, if he makes if he's on the team, assuming you know, I, I've always thought that Sandine wasn't done for the year. I always just suspected that he would get back through injury and whatnot, and then it kind of just fell into an awkward positioning or awkward timing where Muzzin went down, but he was already loaned out to the Swedish national team for the World Juniors because that would have been mm-hmm. kind of a seamless time to kind of bring him back into the fold. Uh, but obviously, with him having other commitments, they had to bring up uh, Marty Marinchin. And up until, I think, tonight, Marinchin had done an okay job. I thought that he had, you know, obviously the the team was winning, so he did enough to help the team win. Uh, But now after, I don't want to say after one game, we're kind of done with the guy. But, you know, Martin Marinchin is not going to be your number four defenseman shutdown role. That's just not what he has ever been. And it's not what he's going to be going forward. So I think that, you know, if Sandine has proven that he can do it, and we see a lot of young guys nowadays come, coming into the coming into the league and performing at, at right right off the hop. And I think Sandine, after, since he's already been in the NHL for a few games and he was there to kind of start the season, he knows what to expect. It's not going to be uh, anything 
too crazy for him. And he just played in a best-on-best best tournament for, I get that it was his age group, but there are a lot of talented and a lot of skilled players out over there. And I think that if you talk to anybody who played in, in, a, in the World Junior Championships, it only helps your game. And I think uh, it's certainly, he looked phenomenal when he was over there. Uh, so I, I'd like to see him up here. <laughs> But at the same time, I think that the Leafs feel comfortable with kind of slowing down the development process of Sandine and Lilligren, and maybe they'll both bring them back up full-time at least next season. Uh, but I think we'll see Sandine. I don't know if we'll see him for good uh, in the next little bit. Yeah. Um, I was, I've been in that of that opinion for a long time. I thought the Leafs were going to be very patient with all their guys. I'm starting to kind of turn the other way and disagree with you a little bit. Uh, I think uh, with the way the Marlies are, they've just been getting outshot every single game for pretty much a year and a half now. Uh, it's not fun to watch them. <laughs> Even when they win, they kind of do it by fluke almost. Um, they'll get a couple timely saves from their good goaltending and then make uh, make do on some mistakes from the opposing team. Uh, but they don't they don't play well every single night. I don't know if Sandine is. I don't know if they're going to send Sandine down to help, you know, fix it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of on two minds. I think right now with the way the Leafs are going, they're in a really good mental space, and I think bringing Sandine into that will help him. Also, the fact that he's coming in in the middle of the season will also be good because he's at the top of his game. He's going to come in. Every everyone's going to be rolling. Um, there's not going to be much of a, an adjustment period for him, I, I don't think, because at the beginning of the year, you know, like the league is very volatile. Everyone's trying to get their games together. I think by January, everyone's kind of settled a, a little bit. So that might help him as well. Um, I, I do like the good uh, midseason call-up, and I hope they, they give it to Lilligren as well. Uh, he wasn't great last weekend, but I think on the whole, he also deserves a call-up at some point. Uh, I just, you know, who, where do you play these guys? There's, well, that... there's only a few spots, and... They have contracted players above them right now. I totally agree with you, and I think that's when you look. There's a couple of UFA defensemen that are going to kind of be done at the end of the year that you might be able to deal off at the deadline if you feel like maybe Lilligren is ready to take the next step and, and, and turn into an NHLer. But at the same time, you don't want to make that move and then realize that he's not, mm -hmm. and then you're sitting there and your your team's worse off. Like if... You look at Tyson Berry and yeah. say, look, we're not going to re-sign him, so let's try and move him for something of value at the deadline if we think that maybe. I'm not saying Lilligren can can be Tyson Berry, but we have a player who can step into the NHL uh, and, <laughs> and kind of take over a yeah. little bit of his role. Uh, it'll obviously have to be more of a collective effort, but you don't want to be stuck there if it turns out that he can't, uh, he can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, my quiet take is that I think Lilligren can – be more productive than Barry, but I have no evidence for that, and he's also a 20-year-old, so I don't really, really want to quite get there and yeah. kind of put, put that out there. But uh, I think I think what they're going to do with Muds and Barry is that they're going to keep them as self-rentals almost. Um, keep them, keep the depth. You're going to have, what, eight uh, competent defensemen on your roster, which in the playoffs all, you need depth as much as you can. Um, that's what Pittsburgh had when they won the cup back-to-back -back years with uh, paperclip defense, <laughs> um, with paperclips glue and tape or whatever they had, um, put it, keeping some of their guys together. Yeah, I think, you know, you keep as much depth as you can and go for a run. This team is a good team. They have 
the skill and the talent and the tenacity to win a cup, I think. Um, I know some people might not agree with me, but I, I'm pretty firm in that <laughs> they have, you know, a cup-winning team. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they keep them. I think they try to re-sign Muzzin in the summer. I don't know if they keep Barry because, you know, his po- point totals, I think he gets overrated because he has uh, per, uh, individual points, but I don't think his on-ice play matches up to it. So I don't know if it will be a good value for the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope they keep Muzzin, um, and I hope they keep them both for the playoff run and kind of mix in some of these young guys as they go. Only on Locked On Leafs does a conversation about the Canadian World Juniors go right back to talking <laughs> about the Maple Leafs. My bad. Only... It's always my fault. Hey, man, it's both of our faults. That's... <laughs> but you know what? That's what we do here on Locked On Leafs. We chat Leafs. So it was bound to happen yeah. that this was going to end up circling right back to what's going on with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> and it did start off with the Canadian Championship and all that. Then we moved to Sandine and from Sandine to the defensive struggles. And just like that, we're talking talking leaves for the last five minutes of this podcast again we're supposed to be talking world juniors but that's all right that's all fun and games it's a tremendous conversation and it's one that uh leaf fans and and i will certainly be having for the next couple of months uh, as we go through the second half of the season we're officially into the second half of the season too which is exciting uh so i expect uh, a lot of good things coming in the future especially how hot the team has been as of late obviously tonight 6-4 loss to the oilers uh, not indicative of how the play has been uh, recently, but hey, man, you got to love how how this team can come back and after you know making a, a couple of big comeback victories and kind of yeah. being really successful over the last, we'll say, the month of December. They were really great in the first little bit of January, and uh, you know, one loss isn't isn't gonna break this team. I honestly don't think that. So I can see them coming back out, and they got what Winnipeg up next. Uh, who they got a, a mm-hmm. nice win on last a couple of weeks ago, last week, maybe two weeks ago. Last week, yeah. Last week, yeah. and uh, so hopefully they'll they'll look to do that again. But uh, yeah. no, I really appreciate I will say yeah. I will say one thing. Um, I am proud of the Leafs for, you know, all season we were worried that they were going to be on the outside looking in on the playoffs all year and having to fight up to make a playoff spot. Now they're on the inside, hopefully staying in that spot. So that's, if anything, this streak has let them do that so that's you know something we should all be really happy about oh 100 percent. and and, and yeah, i had this yeah. conversation or i tweeted out at was, least about yeah. how the only reason why michael hutchins why the Leafs were able to give freddie the night off on saturday and let hutchinson start that game is only because they went on this streak and gave themselves a little uh-huh. bit of breathing room in the playoff race because if they're on the outside yeah. looking in i don't believe that they would have felt comfortable giving hutchinson the start i felt like feel like they would have felt they needed the two points there and uh they they wouldn't have given uh, Freddie the night off and it's it's a night off that he needed because he is they're working him like a horse right now and uh, obviously tonight didn't work out too well which is your first night off of giving him an off couple of off nights but uh, still I think that it was definitely instrumental in in resting up Freddie a little bit down the stretch here and the fact that Hutchinson's actually playing half decent as of late also helps yeah I completely agree um they, they gave Hutchinson uh, the time he needed to get his head straight, uh, to get some more minutes to play, and he le- and he rewarded them with it. I, I don't I never thought that Hutchinson was an awful never an NHL goaltender. I always thought he could do the job if you know he got into a bit of a groove, and he's there right now. So 
Uh, we should all be very lucky that we didn't have to spend anything in order to get a backup. For now. For now. <laughs> something <laughs> tells me though. something tells me that it only takes one or two games for it all to unravel. Maybe not for, for Hutchinson and the Leafs, but definitely Leafs Nation will start unraveling if he loses a couple in a row. Uh, either if it's a week or from now, a month from now, I guarantee you that the backup goalie conversation will never be over. Ever. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> never right. expected to. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Hardiv, thanks so much for uh, for joining us and chatting least with yeah. me. Of course. Anytime. All right, I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasts and platforms. And receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. You can follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can follow Hardiv at Hardiv Lad. All right, Hardiv, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you said you've got the, if you missed the Leafs game and you want a little bit more coverage on it, you mm-hmm. said that you do have a recap up on Pension Plant Puppets right now, correct? Yep, right. I do, uh, over at PensionPlantPuppets.com. Um, it's right at the top. All right, perfect. So uh, definitely go and read that and read his in-depth analysis on tonight's game and every other game because it's fantastic. All right, we're going (laughs) to check out for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be chatting some more Leafs content. All right, till then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.